0: I don't know, they take
1: What's it? No No,
2: just <laughs> Yeah, this
1: is smart <laughs> wait, wait till the rest of my family arrives Hello everyone,
3: welcome to Buchanan Baptist Church I'm just going to press on third Jenny. I'm to yeah, announcements, um, uh, all the
2: normal stuff, small groups are on this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, hey
4: uh,
2: good. uh, good morning. Some of them are high in sugar. That's
3: the lowest one in well, sugar. You just told me, I'm losing my mind. How are you?
2: I'm just trying and and use use down to use you to get. Friday's getting busier. A lot busier than my last past letter we block.
3: That's where he's gone. 60, there.
2: 70 meals we
3: gave him. I've
2: finished. never I don't seen done. these at, at um uh, All for the still on weeks one through four are still the old faithful crews. Uh, where okay. go? You yeah, uh, okay, right? He literally wrong. just told me. It, it's because of the no, next thing i will to tell you. Um, to if you all remember Smitty, uh, yes,
4: if you knew him well, you knew
2: him as William. Uh, I just got word from Billy today that he passed away this week. So um, I know it's weighing on all of us that knew him, and I know it's weighing on you, Mama. Um, so uh, as we pray this morning, we're going to pray for his family and get family. grieve well that's, that's that's where we're at this morning um, so uh, pray with me Father we love you and I, like I prayed this morning for worship I'm, I'm so grateful that death is not the end and I'm so grateful that you are making all things new. Um, please be with uh, Smitty's family and Father we know that he knew the truth we're gonna hold on to that hope and we're gonna hold on to your grace and your mercy. Um, thank you for the time that we had with him. Thank you for everything from the frustrations and the arguments to the to the joy and the tears that we had with that man. Uh, and thank you for just seeing Billy's face this morning, seeing the impact that he had on people, just his friendship so be with our community Lord
3: um,
2: be with everyone that uh, that knew him that loved him and father help us to move forward and love each other well uh, and show us how we can be there for our community um, Lord this is more appropriate today than in this moment and I can think anything else um, so we pray is. He taught us to pray. Our Father, Lord, who art Lord in heaven, hallowed be thy
3: name. Your will be come,
2: will be done, on earth as
4: <laughs> it is in heaven. heaven. Give and us this day, day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us
2: not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever.
5: to hear God's word together and respond together in prayer. Our readings from last week, we were pointed beautifully to Jesus as the answer to all of our questions and struggles and worries about how to live a good life and what sort of people to be. And we learned that the answer to those questions is is to hold fast to Jesus, to do what he does, to say what he says, to be one with him as he is one with the Father. And that is key. When we talk about Jesus, to remember that we are talking about the fullness of God. As our reading last week said, who Jesus is, is the fullness of God made visible. So when we're talking about Jesus, we're also talking about the Father and the Spirit. And in our readings today, we'll hear the psalmist and Jesus himself pointing us to the Father and to the Spirit as both the givers of every gift, everything that we need, everything that could satisfy us, every hope, every desire, every longing in our soul, that God is the giver and God is the answer, Father, Son, and Spirit. That in the Father and the Son, with whom through Jesus we are now friends with, again, and filled with again, we find the answers to what we're looking for. And we'll end with a passage that's probably very familiar also. It says, ask and you shall receive. Anyone who seeks will find, anyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. And this is another passage, like our reading last week, which is so familiar and so easy to take so far in so many wrong directions, right? This is not saying that God is like a genie, that although powerful, is bound to grant our wishes. It's not saying that prayer is a spell that we can cast if we know the right words and say them the right way to make God do what we want, to bend him to our will. It's also not saying that Prayer is like a monkey's paw, and if we're not careful what we ask for, God will give us something terrible. Because it goes on to say that God is a good father, and he gives good gifts. That we being human know if our child asks us for something good, we don't give them something that will hurt them instead. God is so much greater than us. When we ask for something that will hurt us, He's not going to give us what we ask for. He will allow us to go after it ourselves, but he will not give it to us. And he will be there to help us let go and to help us heal whenever we're ready to turn around and ask for what he has for us. It's important to remember when we talk about prayer and the gifts that God gives that we do not know what good gifts are. We don't know how to ask for them. We don't know how to recognize them when they're given to us. And as Alex said in his sermon a couple of weeks ago, sometimes the things that happen or do not happen in our lives are not coming from the hand of God as a gift, they're a result of our sinful broken world. Then in those times and places, more than ever, we have to remember that the gifts God gives are good. The gifts our broken world gives are broken and they have sharp pointy edges and they will harm us. But the gifts that God gives are good. And as Phil said this morning, ultimately we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking knowing that from this Good God, all good gifts will be given, all our brokenness will be healed, death will be overthrown forever, and all things are made new. So let us pursue boldly, confidently, desperately, tenaciously, the God who has that power and who gives those gifts. Phil, would you please read our song for us?
2: Psalm 85, Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. And love and faithfulness will meet; righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him and will make a path for His steps.
6: Good morning, church. Good morning. I will read from the Book of Luke, chapter eleven. Finish. one of his disciples said to him, you well, just to pray, He said to me, we pray, he said, Father, I will be your name, the kingdom come, with each day I'll be able to pray. Forgive us our sins, we are saved, and we give to us. We not bring us to the time of trial And he said to me, what was to be for you? you we friend of mine is alive and I have nothing to say before him. He answered from the answer field, not bother me, the Lord has already come up, the children are already given me to be I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell him, you, you know, you cannot get up and give him anything.
5: graciously giving God, in you we find the answer to every longing of our souls, for food and friendship, righteousness and
4: peace, set us love
5: and faithfulness, but we do not trust your goodness or your guidance, we chase after deadly gifts and reject what gives life, we look to empty human hands for what only comes from you.
1: We Be Lord, hoard what little good, good we think we, we have, have and
5: forget, forget that it is by giving that we receive and we blame you for our lack. Forgive
0: us, O Lord. Lord. Restore, Restore
5: us, us again, again, O God of our, our salvation, salvation, that, that we, we may, may learn to put our trust in, trust in you. you. Amen. Brothers and
3: sisters, believe and have hope. Let us hear what God the
5: Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. To his faithful to those who turn to him in their hearts through him you are forgiven you are welcome you are loved let us rejoice together and give praise to the lord surely his salvation is at hand father, father in, heaven, in, heaven, in your goodness, goodness you pour out on your people, people all, all that all they
1: need and satisfy those who persist in prayer, in prayer. Make, make us bold in asking Thankful in receiving, receiving, tireless in
5: seeking, and and joyful joyful in finding, that we may always
1: proclaim your coming kingdom and do your will on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen.
4: you soar, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are Thank yeah. you.
1: No, um, we've been in a series through Proverbs, and speaking for myself, it has been deeply, deeply good and meaningful to focus on this book of wisdom. Wisdom, not information. <laughs> we got more information than we can handle uh, in today's world, but but wisdom is harder to harder to come to. Uh, Not that it's not being given out. Uh, Proverbs says that wisdom is calling in the streets. It's in the crowded streets. It's on every street corner, right? It's not hard to find. It's just that there's so many different voices speaking to us in the world today. So much information, so many people trying to shape us and guide us spiritually that it's hard to know what is good. You can't run a Google search on wisdom. Well, you can (laughs) <laughs> just just don't right uh, w- Wisdom is knowing that you should not you ought not uh, It's hard to know what to believe It's hard to know what to believe. My best advice to you is to soak yourself in God's word and to find trustworthy teachers uh, teachers who will let you know what their life is like you can see whether or not they're living in a Christ-like way find people who are Trustworthy to open the word and teach what the word s- says. Um, find trustworthy teachers. Soak yourself in God's word. And advice coming out of the Proverbs itself guard your heart. There are things that we are meant to keep at the core of our lives, at the core of ourselves. Things like the Holy Spirit, things like family, love, justice, hope. Those things are meant to be at the center. And if they're not, or if you allow the enemy to poison your heart, you're lost. You've you've lost what is most important. So guard your heart. And also, advice coming from uh, C.S. Lewis, someone that has deeply influenced me be someone who lives in many times and places. Be someone who lives in many times and many places. He writes. In a sermon of his own called way to glory he says a man who has lived in many places is not likely to be deceived by the local errors errors of his native village the scholar has lived many times and is therefore in some degree immune from the great cataract of nonsense that pours from the press and the microphone of his own age listen heed, my son your father's instructions the refrain of proverbs listen to the people who have come before you to the people who are not Steeped in your own culture and your own time um, and listen to the wisdom of the past. Oh, praise the Lord, my wife gets to go to church. How long has it been, Annalise? Between sickness and how you work with kids. Um, be a kind of person who lives, who reads, who listens, who abides in many times and in many places. Many- <laughs> In chapter 12, what you'll find is uh, what's called sentence literature, the Proverbs are going to go, it's going to be verse by verse, couplets of advice, uh, things that Solomon wanted to teach to his children and their children after them, Uh, things that we should teach to our children after us. Uh, and so what we've been doing is preaching through themes of the book of Proverbs. So please join me today. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Uh, I'm going to read specific proverbs as we go, but please join me in prayer before we start. Father God. Lord I pray that whatever comes out of my mouth, God that in your word today we would find truth, we would find wisdom to shape our lives, God to spiritually form us in the beautiful ways that you're trying to form us. Lord, I pray that your truth today would set us free, because we desperately long to be free. I pray this in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Amen. We're going to start today in Proverbs 12, verse 16. Proverbs 12, verse 16, it says this, The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. I'll read one more time. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. So my first point today, just drawing simply from that proverb, is that wisdom is hard to offend. Wisdom is hard to offend. There's a lot of people in the world right now that seem to be looking for any possible reason to uh get offended fly off the handle right i was joking a couple weeks ago that whatever demonic power invented internet comments sections and social media um comments is is like vice presidents right now in the demonic hierarchy um but it's true i mean it, people are looking for reasons to be offended you can see it when you go online you can see it just out in the world um you know here in the french quarter i always think about the the people with signs listing All the people that they would be glad would go to hell right Uh, they're just looking for offense looking to offend and looking to be offended right so many people seem to have a chip on their shoulder but the reality of things is that wisdom is hard to offend wisdom is hard to offend I pray that we would be a people that we would be a church it's very difficult to offend us that we are able to let small things go that we are able to love people well and allow the love of Christ to cover the sins between us that we can move on in love and in unity may it be so church was thinking as I was uh, just writing this sermon this week I was thinking about one AJ's favorite artist right now favorite musical artist Andy Minio I don't know if you're familiar he's a he's a rap artist one of in one of his most recent songs he has a line he says well okay tell me what are y'all fake mad about today <laughs> and it's so true <laughs> there's a lot of uh, a lot of tension in the world just division in our society right now coming from every side and every corner right people are fake mad not that they're actually grieving and hurting and we need to hear them, but people are people are, are mad, or if they are grieving and hurting,
5: it's not from the things that they're bringing up, that they're trying to talk about, right? And we
1: need to get to the core of what actually is causing them pain. Um, in the culture right now, I'm just gonna give a few examples from my own personal life of uh, times that people got offended at me or myself or something I've done where I thought maybe it was slightly unwarranted or in Annalise's life, uh, the first story is actually hers. So, for example, um, smiling at someone and telling them, hello, (laughs) when we lived in Boston, uh, Annalisa's walking down the street, you know. uh, And she's from Memphis, and she smiled at some random stranger who was walking by next to her, uh, smiled and said, hello. And he stops, turns around, looks at her and goes, Do I know you? (laughs) Um, And just like was very offended that she had stopped and said hello. Uh, One thing that we have been very surprised at that we've been experiencing lately is a whole lot of shade thrown at us for the number of children that we have. And for, you know, bringing them places in the world. Um, Just a lot. So we have four kids right now. We foster, so the, the number changes. So we have four kids right now. And... And we've just been getting a lot of shade for for having four kids, for having a a big family at the moment. Um, You know, and and people keep constantly stopping us. And at best, it's this weird comment to us of like, oh, wow, y'all have a lot of kids. (laughs) It's like, uh, yes, yes we do. Thank you for stopping us to comment on that. Um, So that's, that's like best case scenario. Worst case scenario, I mean, people have been like telling us basically we should not have this many children. Or if we are, if we do have the indecency of having a large family, that we ought not to go in places where other people are, are living and, and playing. and Having no, this is not even said, so he's he's on board with this. Uh, so we should just keep them at home, where children belong, right? Reminds me of uh, par- parks and recreation. You know, it's like for on from our side of things, it's like, but where should I keep my children if the parks are closed? In my house, where I live, you know. Um, That doesn't seem to be an option for us. I've had people recently offended at me both for being too happy and for being too serious, for smiling too much, and for not smiling enough. So I love when when you get caught in the middle of people being offended at you. Um, Someone got very offended the other day for letting my child sit in the window seat of the streetcar you ever ridden the streetcars here or there there is a rule that you're supposed to keep your hands and feet inside the car uh, while that is a rule uh, it is not required just in case you know uh, for if you're visiting you know the etiquette on the streetcar it's not required to literally yell at young parents who allow their kids sit next to the window because of the possibility of them sticking their hands out the window that's not necessary uh, and honestly I have had people offended at me for getting married too young. I literally had someone tell me that I should not, and I wanted to ask her. I was like, "So now that I've apparently made this horrible mistake, what would you like me to do about it?" Um, but to be to be a little more serious, I know I've been accused of not being serious enough in the past. Uh, to be a little more serious, uh, I think probably we've all experienced if you're open about your faith if you're open about being a Christian we probably all experience people who are deeply offended by that Um, deeply offended by the fact that you maybe go to church or that you are a Christian or that you're a Baptist Uh, deeply offended at I've had a lot of people be deeply offended at at me being a pastor um, thinking that that that's an immoral immoral thing to do Uh, caught about talking about being caught on both sides of an issue had people recently being offended at me for wearing a mask and then also for not wearing it, <laughs> um, both for being too liberal and for being too conservative over the past several years when that has been such a dividing line in our society. Uh, in the church, I will say, I do not see a big difference between the church in this and the culture. I do not see us as a church leading out in unity. I do not see us being known by the love that we have for each other. What I see in the church right now is division, just as much division as there is in the world. And I think we should, we should be convicted by that. I think we should repent of that. In the church, things like dispensationalism, complementarianism, Calvinism, speaking in tongues, mode of baptism, timing of baptism, ritual versus genuineness, justice and liberation, and on and on and on, we are allowing these things to divide us, friends. We're allowing these things to tear us apart. Not that we can't disagree, and not that it's not important. Some of these are deep doctrines of the church that are going to shape how we worship. They're going to shape how we teach and how we talk to each other. But So it's a very important conversation, but it should be a conversation. We should not allow these things to create dividing lines in us, but instead we take offense and we take sides. We take sides and we divide Never once realizing that division itself, all throughout Scripture, is called a sin. How long are we going to tolerate that sin in our churches? We're so concerned in pleasing God in our ideology that we are nitpicky with our theology to be exactly right in every circumstance and every question, but we forget that God has asked us over and over again in scripture to be of one mind to ignore an insult to allow love to cover our sins to allow love to bridge the space that our arguments and our sinful understandings and mistakes make first peter 3 8 9 says this finally all of you have unity of mind sympathy brotherly love a tender heart and a humble mind Do not repay evil for reviling, or uh, repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And then Paul in Romans says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. I'm always telling people, uh, pretty much in every discipleship relationship I've ever had, this has been a major topic. Y'all, we need more categories in our thinking and in our relationships than right and wrong. Especially more categories than agree with me or I'm wildly offended at you. We need categories of, hey, I think you're wrong about that, but I see where you're coming from, and I respect how you got there. Man, would that we had that category in our conversations in our churches. We need a category of, I think you're wrong on that, but I love you. And it's okay, and we're going to be friends. Or, I think you're wrong about that, but in humility, I'm going to consider that I may be the one mistaken or that hits me wrong, but if I'm honest, I haven't studied enough to really deserve having my own opinion. (laughs) So I'm gonna go uh, provisionally with what you said until I can look into it more and arrive at my own opinion. Would that we had these categories in our conversations, in our small groups, in our churches, in our denominational life, in our interactions with people that we meet on the streets, in our friendships, in our co worker relationships, where we can say very honestly, Hey, I think you're off on that. And I hope together we can seek the truth because I think it'll be healthier for both of us. But I love you and I hope we can get there together. Would that our societal dialogue would move in that direction instead of you're wrong. And because I think you're wrong, we're going to divide. We're going to argue. We are going to use shame to try to win the argument. We're gonna use ad baculum, we're gonna use violence, force, the, the force of, of having the best zinger, right? Uh, the best comeback to try to win the argument instead of talking through and arriving at the best conclusion. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. And I bring up, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renew- renewal of your mind. Because I, I think we don't think rightly about this. I, I want to I wanna, I wanna shift your thinking on what it means to look like the world. I, I think we identify certain sins in our society that rightly we should avoid. We should seek personal holiness in these things. And we call that looking like the world. But also, imagine a globe. What does our world actually look like when we see to artistically depict it, right? Imagine a globe. I, I remember the ones that I grew up with. It had all kinds of dividing lines on it, right, to denote the different countries. And I remember, I, I've talked about this in sermons before, I remember being shocked when I went to Mexico with my dad. And I, for some reason, I was in high school, y'all, but I was shocked that there was no line at the border, right? Because that's what maps had always shown. That's what I had always seen. I expected there to be some concrete uh, patio with a, with a big black line saying, like, this is it. You have left the country. Um, but our world is divided. If you look at a map from 2019 till today, that map will have changed dozens of times. The lines will not be accurate. Uh, Map makers have to constantly update the maps because we are constantly going back to the same battles and fighting over the same territories and shifting those lines back and forth. And so in our artistic depictions of our world, when artists are asked to say, hey, as accurately as you possibly can be, show me what the world looks like, what they give us is dividing lines with histories behind them and reasons behind them, but still divisions that are not the way that the Lord created the earth, that is not what the earth looks like if you look at, if you take it from a satellite view. It's not what God created. And I think our churches look a lot like that. We are looking a lot like the world in this particular way. We are easily offended. And we allow that offense not to cause conversation not to start dialogue but to divide us divide us along denominational lines divide us within churches causing church splits causing denominational splits causing churches that are right down the street from each other not even to know each other we're meant to be brothers and sisters in Christ and we don't even talk to each other we do nothing together we're allowing that division to separate us when we see that in a family when we see families allowing division to cause a permanent separation we call it a tragedy we preach against it we create organizations to focus on healing those divides within families but we don't do it in our church families we abide that division we don't mourn it as a kind of death we should Our God is a God of peace, and he's a God of unity, and he's a God of wisdom, and wisdom is not easily offended. Praise God that he is not so offended at our imperfections, at our misunderstandings, at our false theological views, that he is willing to abide the separation that we have created between us. Praise God that he crosses those lines and allows his love to cover those divides and bring us back into unity. Praise God that he's willing to empty himself to cross the divide between heaven and earth and reach out to us here. Praise God that he does not do what we do in this matter. And I pray that we would be a people who is deeply difficult to offend in wisdom. so wisdom is hard to offend and my second point this morning is that wisdom endures wisdom endures verses 3 7 and 19 12, 3 says this no one is established by wickedness but the root of the righteous will never be moved no one is established by wickedness but the root of the righteous will never be moved 12.7 says this. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. And verse 19 says this: truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Wisdom endures. Wisdom lasts been overwhelmed recently I'm actually I'm, I'm driving Annalise crazy I'm so happy she's in the room for this part of the sermon uh, I have been overwhelmed recently <clears throat> with how brief our lives are and how how short how little time we have and how quickly it moves and uh, the way this this has worked out in our personal lives is that I have become very intolerant of doing things in a provisional sort of way uh, and the reason it's driving Annalise crazy is because I am insisting on like incredible amounts of effort to do permanent things in our household and to not have anything be temporary or well, you know, the kids are small, this is this is what it's gonna be for right now. Or like, I mean, we've only been in the house, what, for like seven months? And you know, insisting on buying permanent furniture that fits that slot instead of like waiting just a little while longer to with our, you know, table that's serving as an entertainment stand. It, yeah, and so I'm driving her nuts right now. Um, just insisting on permanent things. And in the church, too. The temporary measures drive me crazy. Um, I, I was thinking all week long about just how much joy it gives me for, for what Adam and, and Joshua and Gary have done. Uh, just in going through the church and removing these things which were temporary measures, and replacing them with with lasting beautiful work right and how much pleasure it gives me to see them going through for example and and replacing the windows upstairs not with um, plastic covers like we were doing not with tarps you know but with like newly remade window sills and and refurbished old antique windows with the with the weights on them where you can actually open them and creating screens and things like that where we can enjoy having this building that's from the 17th century. That has given me such deep pleasure. And also, removing, for example, from this closet this week, y'all, thank you so much for doing that, removing these things that just like got tossed there and, and were never meant to be there forever, but have just kind of gotten ingrained and meshed into this, this closet. Every church does this. It's not us, y'all. This happens everywhere. I was the one who cleaned out the closets at my office right it's just because churches sometimes do these temporary measures instead of in wisdom thinking through okay where is our church at in ten years and what can we do now to make sure that by the time we get there that we will be grateful for what we've done today we don't take the time to think through what will endure what will last, and what we're doing just for today? Wisdom endures. Wisdom thinks about the future. Wisdom lasts. And to play devil's advocate for myself, uh, one of my first thoughts when I wrote that as one of my points this week was, well, you know what else endures? Plastic. We can't seem to get rid of it. Plastic lasts forever, right? Uh, you know what else endures? Fanny packs. Apparently,
3: they're popular again.
1: Apparently, that's going to be a thing that lasts throughout my entire life uh, and, and neon tights endure um, or to quote the book of Daniel war continues until the end right some things endure that are not wise some things endure that are evil like war but that verse from Daniel gives us a good insight these things will only endure until the end God will not allow these evil things, these unwise, foolish things, to endure past the end. Our world is brief and fleeting. And in eternity, there will be only wise, established things. God is planting his people like a tree by a flowing river. He is establishing us in places that we will not easily be moved from. He is building a city that will last forever a people a nation that will never be overthrown a temple that will never be cast down is building us up into things that can endure eternity in the end we won't live in a fake plastic world in Revelation we find this picture of the book of life and God uh, has the ability to edit it it's this book of everything that has happened in the world god is going through and he's taking out everything that he will not abide enduring into eternity everything that is unwise every action that was foolish that was evil but it's not just in eternity that this statement from proverbs is true it's not just in eternity that wisdom endures even in this broken world even in this life wisdom endures, endures and evil actions evil words evil people are brief and passing even now in my family i I think about the things that we talk about the stories that we tell uh, generationally I'm, I'm nine generations deep here in the new orleans region and we have lots of stories even better we have lots of recipes that we have passed down from generation to generation i think about all of those stories and I think about one I think about my great-grandfather on my dad's side paternal great-grandfather I only know one story about the man and it's that he left our family on Christmas Day and that's the end that's the only story I have to tell of him beyond that from what I understand he's completely forgotten because he abandoned his heart he was unwise he was foolish he was evil to walk out on his family, especially on Christmas Day. And so that's the one thing I've ever heard said of him. Whereas his son, my grandfather, I've got thousands of stories. And people, I can talk about him with people here in New Orleans. He was a Sunday school teacher at First Baptist New Orleans for 50 years. And every time I talk to someone from First Baptist, still, it's this uh, reunion kind of feeling. You know, they'll say, Wow, you're Morgan's grandson, and I say, yeah, yeah, I yeah. am. Um, and he's remembered past his death. He, he passed away in two thousand one, um, and so his his life has endured. His memory has endured, and it's because his deeds are remembered. They were wise things that he did. Uh, he's remembered at that church for building up the church. He was remembered at that church for being a minister of the gospel being someone who is faithful with what he had received and taught it passed it on to his family and to the people around him wisdom endures and I was thinking this week a lot about trees it's happening me because it's hurricane season I think um, and I, I do a lot of disaster relief and so every time around this year I'm surrounded by trees trees that have fallen on people's lawns trees that have fallen on people's houses very unfortunately on people's cars and uh, i've learned a lot about trees in doing that work and one of the things i've learned is that there's a huge difference between types of oak trees for example in new orleans you've got live oak trees and you've got water oak trees those are two of the most popular kinds of oaks in our region and there's a huge difference between the two of them water oaks for example grow large and give a lot of shade and look really good just over the course of a few years so you can plant one and in two or three years you know it will be a a beautiful tree shading your household and also they have about a 50 year lifespan and so if you have about a 50 year old water oak tree in your front yard you need to cut it down now before the hurricane takes it down because they are Enormous trees, they grow very quickly. And when they fall, they do incredible damage. And they're just, they they are brief, momentary thoughts. Um, And the the live oak trees, however, a lot of them here are older than the city. A lot of them here are older than the nation and are still growing, still beautiful, still granting shade to the people around them, still lining our streets, lining Audubon Park, uh, where i get walking in the mornings and i've noticed in Audubon park they have started planting more of the live oaks there's a lot of young live oak trees in Audubon park right now which to me is an act of wisdom it's knowing that 300 years from now whoever's here if the lord doesn't return whoever's here will look back on us planting these trees in today in today's life and say bless them for their wisdom in knowing that we would enjoy these trees in this time. So, even if they, in this broken world, if something is wise, if something is good, if something is worthwhile, it endures. The meaning and the memory of it abides. In wisdom, we too can act in ways that will cause the things in our life to endure, cause us not to act in a provisional way um not to do things in a case-by-case basis but to set ourselves up long term to live a life that is life-giving and i would call us today i would call us to respond to be people of wisdom we can do the things that god has called us to do and we will be taking part in something that will last not just for our lifetime not just for our children's children but for eternity if we take part in the things that God is doing in the world, if we allow Him to guide our actions, if we take part and participate in the things that He is establishing, that His kingdom is building in this world today, um, in wisdom, if we seek out His things, we are t- taking part in things that will last into the restoration of the world. For example, if you could respond this morning to this message in some way that the Spirit is convicting you. You can make a choice today that can change the scope of the rest of your life. Um, You can choose to follow Christ today. You can choose to repent of sin today. You can choose these things that will be wellsprings of life for you from this point onward. Maybe this morning you can begin to admit to God that you have not always done things right and that you need him. Maybe today you can begin to confess daily and tell him, that you need him, and that you need his wisdom in your life. I pray that we would follow in God's ways this morning. Pray with me now. Father God, Lord, please give us your wisdom today. Lord, give us your truth today. God, I pray that we would do things that will establish our lives. God, establish our families Like trees by streams, that we would grow up into the people that you would shape us into the people that you want us to be. Lord, I pray that we would do things in our families that will establish our families, that will bless our families, not just in our lifetimes, but in theirs, in our children's children's. God, I pray that we would teach things, that we would teach wisdom that has existed from the foundations of the world, God, and that will benefit our families for generations. I pray that we would cling to these things, that these would be the things that we teach and adhere to. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen.
4: we ourselves forgive. Okay.
1: Today, please join me in the singing of the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow.
4: Praise Him.
1: and peace as you go this morning to love and serve the Lord.